Welcome to the Perspective Podcast, where we understand that people are frustrated because they're stuck in particular areas of their life that they want to be free from. The problem is they don't have the right information or practical tools to solve their own problem. Here at the Perspective Podcast, we deliver multiple perspectives with practical solutions that will assist people to become unstuck and on to living their best life. So sit back, relax, get a notepad out. Welcome to Perspective. If I look like what I've been through, I'd be roadkill. Tell me off of the pavement, I'm reeking from the most. All right, everyone, welcome to another edition of Perspective Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C. Muzan. Got T here with you. Say what's up, T. What's going on, family? Guys, we are back for another talk with you, another time that we can spend to shed light on a subject where we want to give a different perspective. It's something where Terrell and I have gotten a chance to talk about this because this, it kind of hits home with us. We are, we both, I guess, kind of grew up in a sales environment to some degree when it comes to our work history. And we wanted to have a conversation about sales today. I'm still semi in sales and T is in sales. And at the end of the day, people have this like polar kind of view on sales and salespeople. A lot of times people say, I could never do sales. I'm not good at sales. And then also probably have a similar stigma of salespeople as to why they don't like sales because they have a view of a salesperson. You know, every time we say the word sales or salesman or salesperson, like you have an image that pops in your mind. If I said salesperson right away, you're going you're gonna to have an image. And normally that image is, it's probably not the greatest. You probably thought about a car salesman or somebody that knocked on your door to sell you something or some, some type of unpleasant picture in your brain. And no, I'm not quite sure where this comes from. If you kind of go back to the psychology behind sales, there's something that's said out there a lot that people want to buy, but people don't like to be sold. So there's always this stigma of like, mm-hmm. hey, if I have to be sold something, if someone has to sell something to me, they're trying to scam me. They're trying to right get over on me. It's in their best interest. Like, why would I want to kind of give into that? And I think we have that that negative connotation, but from two guys that have been in sales and genuinely feel like we're good people. Hopefully you guys think the same thing, right? As you get to know us. <laughs> I would say that we have a different perspective on it. We have a different perspective on it. And this podcast episode, this topic came because I'll share a quick story with you guys. A few days ago, I was sitting at Panera Bread and shout out to Panera, by the way. I don't know if we can get some type of sponsorship from Panera, but I've been using Panera a lot. I, I used to be a Starbucks fan not for the food or drink, but just like for the environment. But mm-hmm. but then I got turned on to Panera Bread, and it actually is a little bit more comfortable. But either way, I digress. Those fire places are amazing. <laughs> In the Panera. They are. They are like they've saved my life a couple times too. Like not having a jacket and then sitting in there by the fireplace. It's amazing. Anyway, shout out to yep. Panera. So, a couple days ago, I was sitting at Panera Bread and uh, just doing work. Nothing crazy kind of to myself, there was a guy that was next to me who was dressed really sharp, had a nice, you know, suit on, nice tie. And me, when I'm out, I typically talk to the sharpest dressed people. That's just what I've been taught. And it's also something I know, sidebar, right? Your network is equals your net worth. So if you see someone that looks like they maybe make more money than you or maybe dress better than you or whatever the case is, it might make sense 
to shake their hand and find out who they are. That's how you get into a better network. That's how you upgrade your associations. But again, that's a different podcast. <laughs> so either way, <laughs> sitting here at the table, I talk to the guy that's next to me, the guy that, that that's in the nice suit, and I just ask him, say, hey, man, you're, you know, you're pretty sharp. Like, you work around here in the area. He's like, actually, I'm here for an interview. And I was like, oh, no, no way. He was like, yeah, I'm here for an interview for like medical device sales or something of that nature. I was like, okay, cool. Good luck to you. And so we're only sitting about a table apart. And I went back to me doing work and he's sitting there on his laptop or on his tablet or something. Then finally, the people that are coming in to interview him, they show up. They're probably like 20 minutes late. They came in, they apologized. They weren't a couple, but it was a man and woman that obviously were sales leaders or managers at this company. And they sat down with him. They probably had about a, I don't know, maybe a 30 minute, 20 to 30 minute interview. And this interview consisted of them just asking him a bunch of questions to qualify whether or not he would be good enough in their sales position to be able to sell these medical device devices or whatever they were doing. Now, I wasn't fully engaged in their conversation, but every once in a while, I'd overhear kind of what they were talking about. And this is the thing that really disturbed me the most, right? This is, and I shared this story with T and he thought it was going to turn out a different way, but it didn't. And it was a very disturbing conversation. Basically, for that 20 minutes that they're sitting and asking him questions, they're basically qualifying how sleazy or how dirty or how unethical he could be. They were saying things, when I was sitting there listening a bit, they were saying things like, you know, in this profession, when we're going to talk to these doctors, right, these doctors are stupid. These doctors are dumb. They don't know what they want. Our job is to go in there and make sure we get them this product, regardless of if it benefits them or not. And they would throw out things and say things like, you know, we've, we've ruined doctors' lives before. We go in, we know that they're not going to do well with this product. We can tell that their their practice isn't going to, you know, do well, but we sell them this machine anyway. They have to mortgage their house. They have to find extra money and we've ruined people's lives. And then they would ask this, this interviewee, they would ask, are you okay with that? Are you okay going in and potentially knowing that you're ruining someone's life and still sell them the product anyway? And this guy was just agreeing with everything. He was like, yep. I have no problem doing that because, and then he would justify why he could do that. And then they would ask him other questions like, you know, are you good about saying anything over the phone just to get the appointment, right? Are you willing to lie on the phone? Are you willing to say negative things over the phone just to get in? And he would again agree, be like, yep, you know, I've done X, Y, Z in the past and this is what I'm willing to do. And then, you know, again, the guy that's interviewing him keeps throwing out statements like, all I care about is the money. Listen, all I care about is money. If you do X, Y, Z, if you perform X, Y, Z task, I don't care how you do it or how you get it done. All I care about is the money. We don't care about these people. We care about the money. And as I kept hearing these things, I was like, this has got to, right? This has got to be a joke. Like, what are people willing to do to get a job? Are you willing to sell your soul? Are you you willing to do the unethical things, but they apparently were. And this guy just kept feeding into it and he kept answering it and justifying it. And at the end, they were like, all right, you're hired. (laughs) And I kind of looked over when they said that and and they didn't really look back at me because they didn't know I was paying attention. But it seemed like the guy was genuinely happy that he just got this position, this sales position where he basically knows he's going to have to go in, lie, cheat, steal, whatever he has to do 
to make a quick buck. And when I heard that, it really angered me. Like if I really think about my emotion or you know what I really wanted to say or do at that point, I really just wanted to interrupt and jump in and be like, do you really call yourself salespeople? Like, is that really what your profession is about? It's about, it's just about the money. It's just about you know, lying to people and going in and selling them a product even if they don't need it? Is like that what your life has come to? Because if so, like that's why salespeople get a bad rep. That's why salespeople have this stigma about them when you say the word salesperson that people think that that's really what sales is about. And it was just the most shocking thing to sit down and hear that. And I felt like we needed to talk about it. Because again, from a person that's been in sales and cares about people at the same time, I could never see myself saying that. And if I ever sat in front of someone that was a salesperson that thought that way, they would be the first people I would move away from. I would get so Mm -hmm. far away from those people because that is just, it's just not even the right energy to be putting out there to think that you can be successful when you're doing the wrong thing by people. And it was the most, like, it was really disturbing, but that's why I decided to talk about it because I think that for people that have been in sales, are in sales, or might be looking to get into sales one day, I think you have to understand that there's a difference in selling a product and actually, you know, having a purpose and caring about other people. At the end of the day, just T, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, but at the end of the day, guys, like, Sales is about adding value and helping. We sell ourselves. We sell ourselves every day. So it's about how do you add value? It's not about taking from another person. It's not about just making money. And I think we have it all mixed up. But T, tell me what your thoughts are on the story and tell me a little bit about like, you know, how you've been involved in sales kind of coming up. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny because, <laughs> you know, as you were telling the story, like I said, the first time. I thought they were there to try to trick him, if you will, and to say, hey, will you be willing to lie, steal, kill to get this sale? And if he said, yeah, they were going to get up and be like, thank you. You're not the right type of person. (laughs) I just, in my head, because that's all I under, well, I'm not all, but most of what I understand sales to be is with the utmost integrity, right? I mean, and I don't know, I've never had this stigma towards sales. Because from a very, very young age, I understood this very core principle. Every business operates in sales. Absolutely. And here goes the other thing. Every relationship is a selling situation most of the time. Mm. We don't call it sales, but it's all it's all persuasion. Mm. When I was a little kid, I was the ultimate. Dad, can I get 30 more minutes? Because my bedtime actually is in the middle of raw. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> WWF or, you know, whatever. And I was like, I go to sleep and it's only halfway through the match. Like, you know, <laughs> I was literally trying to persuade him to give me more time. And sometimes he required different things from me. So there was an exchange. <laughs> it was a selling situation, right? That's such so, a good that's such a good point, T, by the way. I'm I'm gonna jump in and interrupt you because that is it. We sell in every relationship because it's persuasion. I feel <laughs> like the people that are the best, like their marriages are the best, it's because they have either one really good salesperson or right persuader or two of them in the yeah. relationship. And then each person can get what they want and what they need out of the relationship. I think that's that's something good to think about. Very true. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, you know, and actually, that was perfect. <laughs> uh, transition into the next topic, right? Like, in my, in my marriage, 
like I'm the ultimate sales guy, right? In my marriage, like I'm the one usually like, hey, I got a deal, I got a deal, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> you know. And, but it's cool because over the years, my wife has become a very good. Is very great in persuasion, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, wow, she got me. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like that she got me. It was a, you know what? You really brought me over to your thought process, right? In a different way that you've done before. Or sometimes I realize, I'm like, she got me here. And I don't even know how I got here, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, but if we just took a step back and realized that it's something we already all do, so the very salespeople that, some of us hate, we're those people in different sections of our life. So that's why I never really got the understood. Now, I do understand when somebody's trying to sell you the snake oil, right? I do understand when somebody's or somebody's trying to force you into a product you haven't found a value in or force you into a product and you don't trust them or force you into a product and you don't trust the company that's selling and that's going to service the product. I understand that. And I think we need to make sure that that's the box that we put the real, honestly, small segment of sales people and sales organizations into, right? And then also, you can also throw in the ones that happen, like with the unfortunate Wells Fargo thing where you had all those people just create accounts to be able to hit sales numbers, you know, for other people and manipulate the system and, th- you know, different things of that nature or, you know, stockbrokers that were taking companies and, you know, just throwing a bit crappy stocks and what have you, like that Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff. So, but outside of there, it's like, all it is is, hey, I'm persuading That's it. Like, look, I've rented, sold cars, you know, I've done, you know, $10 transactions. I've been a part of, you know, trying to negotiate million dollar transactions. Look, I get it. It's all the same stuff. Like the, you know, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, like he talks about how he did it one way and how it was so bad. He lost his life, like his everything, his family, his, he went to jail, his freedom. And now he talks about how to, properly persuade with the utmost integrity. But at the end of the day, he always says, it's the same thing. It's the uh, sell and the persuasion is all the same. But we go through it every single day. But we just, a lot of us, we just, we feel like, I don't want to be sold. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. And it's the job truly of this the salesperson to kind of just walk you through that situation. And if you find value, you're going to buy. If you don't, you're not. Right. But this anger and frustration, I get it. It's for those conversations like your story. That's like, it. I get it. That's <laughs> it. I get it. And, and it's but m- most people aren't that. And unfortunately, we take I don't want to say this because I have a friend and they hate car salespeople. I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> like, like they hate car salespeople. Right. Like hate them. I can't even stress it. <laughs> and, uh, I want to like, go into detail, but I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. But like, they hate them. But here's the and, question. Uh, here's the I, question. Before, do they have a car? Of course. Exactly. <laughs> of course. Exactly. And, and here goes the funny part. They've been buying cars every two, three years. Yeah. Which right? Means, which and, means they interact with salespeople all the time. There you go. All the time. Oh, okay. In some way, right? Like, you know, like, I've helped them get a car before, so I'm a salesperson. They're like, but you're my friend. So what? I'm still a salesperson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Hey, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I was there to help you get it. So, but I think what happens is, Chris, there's this negative, you know, image of a salesperson, but then, and 
And so people take that, but then you have a inexperienced or untrained salesperson that is not very good at sales or okay. And the person doesn't get a rapport with them, not because they're sleazy, but just because they don't maybe have the perfect tonality, body language, or good persuasion skills, or listening skills, and then they automatically tie them back into, see, this is why I don't like salespeople. Yeah. Right? Like, And I think like we got to be able to understand that and the people that are on this call or, you know, podcast, excuse me, the people that are on this podcast and are listening, if you're going into sales, there is so much more than the words that you say or the, the gimmicky closes that they tell you to use sometime out there, depending on where you get trained from. So much more goes into that that you have to understand the mindset of the individual most of the time. It's different in B2B, but if you're B2C, you know, a business and consumer, then you have to understand that there is a hesitation automatically for you just doing your job, even though they need you to do your job. That's it. <laughs> like, you know, as much as I love Amazon, I still go to Best Buy. <laughs> like, I still do. And I paid a little bit more before Best Buy started doing the price match at Best Buy because I like my salesperson. Right. I could have gotten all the information, gone online, and hit sit in the store. It was like, I have this tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Yeah. But that's just what it is. But I'm biased because from a child, I was a kid, you know, that got really excited when they had those, like, remember they used to have those contests, those uh, fundraisers, and they give you a pamphlet, and you got to go sell everything off that pamphlet. Uh-huh. Like, I was the guy that actually went out there and beat the other people in my class, except for that one or two kids whose parents just bought everything so that they could win the contest, yeah. hate them kids. But anyway, <laughs> like I literally would go door to door. Hey, how you doing today? You doing great, fantastic. Hey, we got the sled raiser going on. Da, 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 da. I was the guy that, you know, one friend would go have a bunch of candy. And I'm like, man, you're not going to eat all that candy. You know, I know my mom bought it for me. Okay, cool. Why don't you give me 10, 10, 10 of those Snickers? I'm going to go flip these Snickers, and I'm going to bring you back a cut. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I, like, I was that guy. Like, I would go into the library. Now, this one was kind of bad. But I would go into the library because few people like to go into the library. I would – and then you remember book covers? You know, you have uh-huh. a book cover or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I used to go – and on the book cover, it had a free Dr. Pepper. I remember this, right, <laughs> on some of the book covers. So, it was like, you get the book cover, you know, I used to have to cut it off and, you know, fit it on. I would go and take all the book covers <laughs> and go sell book covers to people for a quarter and be like, yo, I'll say this. I get a free Dr. Pepper. I get you a Dr. Pepper for twenty five cents. They're like, no way! I'm like, here, take the book cover. Like, look, you get a book cover and you get a free Dr. Pepper all for a quarter. Like, you know? <laughs> like, like I don't, I, I know that's probably not the right thing to do. But I was always the guy like trying to add value because I'm like, I would go in the library and. The, all those free Dr. Peppers would be sitting there because nobody would go to the party there. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get these things out to the street, right? Like they're just sitting here on the shelf. But long story, it's just, it's again, it's a, it's a snapshot of what people perceive because of the snake oil people, like what you're talking about. But in reality, sales is so much different. It's so it's much nothing different. but it's so much different. It's so much different. Anybody on this call that, or, you know, they, it's help is like, oh, man, I don't like salespeople. Da, da, da. Please trust and believe what you've probably seen is just somebody that's still perfecting their craft or you're seeing what you want to see because of your frustration 
for salespeople. Or Does that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. Or you have a bad perspective on right? You have a yeah. poor perspective on it because someone in your family didn't like a sales like you don't understand how we hear of these things too. As a kid, sometimes if your parents don't like salespeople, you'll hear for the rest of your, you know, you'll hear it in your head. Like, oh, there's another salesperson or I don't like sales. If you heard someone in your family complaining about it, you might just have a negative stigma of it. But again, this is why we do this podcast, guys. This is why like we build community to have these conversations because there's nothing wrong with salespeople. There's nothing wrong with being in sales because just like T said, sales is just persuasion, it's just persuading someone to get the thing that either they need or that you want to be able to give them. And again, this comes in many different forms. When we think sales, we might think car salesman, trinket sales, vacuum sales, something that like someone has to give us. But again, I, I want to go back to the people part of it. The fact that I feel like the best relationships are led by people that are able to persuade so unlike you, T, I've never been in, in a position as a young adult or like younger age where I like sold something and I was like a salesperson, right? Those school function things where you would sell candy or sell like the brochure thing, like so they could pick something out of there or we sold pizzas. I was never good at that, nor did I ever care to be, right? I wasn't the one going door to door because I just didn't care. I just asked a couple people. I'm pretty sure I was one of those that like my my mom sold them for me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, (laughs) I just didn't. That wasn't my thing. That wasn't my thing. However, I learned sales and I didn't even know this. It took me some time to really reflect on it. But for a large portion of my career, I was in hospitality, right? I was in I was in restaurants. I did both back of the house and front of the house work. Once I got into the front of the house, which was very early, I was probably, you know, 19, 20, 20 years old when I jumped to the front of the house, which means I was a server, bartender, right? You know, ran the floor. I became a manager and I was watching over people. I realized that that's where I got my sales training. It's because I had to deal with people every day. I had to deal with people every day. And when you deal with people, you have to be able to persuade them to get the things or do the things that are going to benefit them. Case in point, right? When I was a manager for the Cheesecake Factory, we've all been to the Cheesecake Factory. We all know that sometimes there's an hour and 45 minute wait. We all know sometimes that they don't have a table ready and you have a party of 12 and you're going to wait for two and a half hours like we get it as the manager who was the person that had to deal with all of the complaints all of the issues all of the problems like that was me so that's Mm -hmm. sales I wasn't selling them a phys. I was selling them on the fact that they were going to have a good experience here, regardless of their wait time, regardless of the server messing up their food, regardless of it taking 20 minutes or 30 minutes over what we quoted them, right? I was constantly in persuasion mode to say, hey, don't worry about it. We're still going to make sure you have a great birthday. We're still going to make sure your grandma had a great 92nd birthday. We're still going to make sure your kid gets what they need. Like we're still going to be able to get it for you. So I was just in the business of persuading people using my words. And that's where sales comes in is because you just have to become a better communicator. 
You have to become a better communicator. That's what I learned being in hospitality. When my job for, you know, seven years of my life, eight years of my life was to go up to a stranger and talk to them, eventually you get to a place where you're just confident that you can communicate the right thing. You can just communicate it. And because of that, on the back end, when I was a server, I made really good tips. Like I made really good money as a server because I understood how to, quote unquote, sell myself, sell a better experience, sell that they'll get the best food, they'll have the best dining, whatever. That is how I got trained in sales. I didn't know it was sales. I didn't know that's what I was being trained for. I thought I was just being a server and then I became a manager and I thought I was just, you know, taking care of people. But at the end of the day, that's what I learned there. I learned how to communicate. And sales is about communication. To be a salesperson, to be someone that persuades someone, you have to be able to communicate well. Go back to our point of being in a marriage, being in a relationship that actually works, there's someone in that relationship that is that persuades better than the other one. That's just what happens. A lot of times when, you know, one of the people in the marriage or in the relationship comes from like a professional sales background or has something where they communicate a lot, typically they become the better persuader over time. I can, it's funny as I'm telling you this, T, I have pictures of marriages popping up in my head of people that I know that I think about it. And if the woman is in sales or has been in sales, she runs the household. She literally like will be the one that calls the shots. She persuades her husband what to do. She persuades them. On the other side, it happens too. When the man or, you know, is typically in a sales position professionally, he normally tries to impose his will on his spouse. That's just what like you're in charge. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's just it's just it's just what happens because that's the natural sales, quote unquote sales, right, aspect coming out and then you try to impose it on your wife, but the people, the husbands and women for that, you know, wives for that matter, but the husbands that get smart and learn how to persuade their wife or their spouse are the ones that have successful marriages also because Right. And I learned this just like you said, T, guilty as charged. It happens in our tonality and our body language and how we say things. So once we start to learn our spouses, once we start to learn our wives and say, oh, I might be saying the right thing, but I'm saying it the wrong way or I'm saying it at the wrong time or I'm not doing something to convey the message the right way. We're learning how to sell to our spouses. That's what we do. That's what we do. We learn how to persuade them to Make sure that we're both happy. The men and women in relationships that lay down in their relationship, it's just, all right, whatever she says goes, all right. You're just a yes man. Like, you've stopped persuading. You've stopped, you've literally stopped selling your spouse. And that's, this is where I want us to understand and for the people listening, our community, I want you to understand that sales is not a bad thing. Being able to communicate the value to another person is going to be in your best interest for the rest of your life. Just like T said, as a kid, we do it. As a kid, we're always trying to persuade our parents what to do, when we can go to bed, if we can have the ice cream, if we can't, da 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 Like that's innate. And then we grow up and we get a stigma about sales 
and think that it's a bad thing if we do it as a profession. It's a bad thing because of the people that I overheard because that is who they are, right? There's bad apples. There's bad seeds in every profession. There's people that take things to the extreme in every profession. Everybody is not a good husband. Everyone's not a good wife. Everyone's not a good salesperson. Everyone doesn't have the same heart, right? So, but that is not sales. That is who they are as people. But don't judge the industry or I would say the profession or right whatever you want to call sales. Don't judge it based off of a bad seed or a bad apple or hearing a bad conversation or thinking that somebody took advantage of you because that happens. That happens. People get taken advantage of all the time. Yep, yep. And I think as you're thinking about it, and I'm glad you made that point, you know, we're trying to constantly, you know, have pleasure and, you know, and and get away from pain (laughs) just naturally, right? Like it's instinct within us. And I think when we hear about these snake oil salespeople and then we have an experience with one, it like double down, it almost doubles down on itself. It, it becomes fact for some people. And when it's not like true fact, like, you know what I mean? But because people think about it, say that, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why in all of my, you know, roles, when I've managed my sales teams, I've always made sure people that are going into the profession or in the profession, you have to understand that. Like, I can't keep stressing that point enough. You have to understand that. And, you know, to use a line from Grant Cardone, it's our duty, obligation, and responsibility, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to change people's perception, Absolutely. right? And, and I actually think it's a good thing to a certain degree if you're, if you're really a winner. In my opinion, if you think winning thoughts all the time, that's what I think a winner is, is because people have the bad perception, if you can right out the gate mm. to be different, it's going to be like, I think I hate all salespeople, but not you. So and now good. they're locked in for life, That's so right? Good. Like, well, whatever you're selling, right? Because now it's like I found my person who's not like everybody else. I, if they're going to have that, right? Like, you can't change everybody's mind, mm-hmm. but you can change their mind sometimes about you, right? Like, you can be that difference maker, or you can have people that's like, man, you know what? I'm going to send everybody to you because I know, especially like with the car sales, mm-hmm. When somebody finds a really good car salesperson, they send everybody there. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I sold hundreds of cars, you know, through my teams. I know because they're like, go talk to that person because she is going to take care of you. She's going, she's not like everybody else. That's what they always say. I'll- she's not like everybody else. And it's so funny. I'm like, everybody else is different. Okay. Whatever. I got three more people at least here that are just as good, if not better, but okay. You believe that person has done it. And now, you know, my salesperson now is making thousands of dollars because they've been able to create so much value for one customer that now that customer sitting people in and the next person sitting somebody and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So case in I point, stress the, case in point, like I have the best story yeah. for that. When I was serving in Miami, right? That's where we were. By the way, that's where T and I met, right down in Miami. So, like, when I was Ooh, when I was <laughs> when I was a server down in Miami. For those people that haven't been to Miami, everything is eighteen percent gratuity, or at least it was when I was there. Right, eighteen yeah. percent gratuity <laughs> on the beach. Right, so ev- that means that if you were in the hospitality field, if you were a server, if you were a bartender, if you did anything in hospitality, every time you gave a check 
to your customer, there was an 18% automatic gratuity added to it. Automatic. So what happened in Miami was service is horrible. Service <laughs> is horrible. Why? Because everyone knows. It's the expectation. They could give you the crappiest service ever. There's 18% added onto that check, so they know they're going to get their money. Well, me, because I don't know, I, I care about people. Like That didn't ever bother me. Just having 18%, that wasn't a reason why I could give lesser than service. So I just gave normal service. And T, you, would, you wouldn't even imagine the amount of people that would rant and rave about my service and tip me on top of the 18% because I just did a little bit more than what everyone else around does, like did. It was the thing that allowed me to stand out. And I didn't even know I was doing it. I was just being me. Like, if somebody needed something, I'm going to get it as fast as possible. I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, well, they'll they'll get it when I get, get to it. Like, people used to think that. And I was like, what? Like... You know that like that 18% on there, but they have more money, right? They could tip you yeah, more, yeah. right? Like, so this just made perfect sense to me. I didn't think I was selling. I just thought I was, right, adding more value and doing better than what the status quo was of Miami Beach, which is mm -hmm. give this lazy service. You're going to get 18% anyway. So now I'm leaving every night averaging, you know, 28, 30% tips, on top of like on top of the 18% all because you know I decided to care about that I decided to differentiate yeah. it so like that that yeah. point hit the nail on the head T no and it's true I mean and and you know to say it like all of my work during college was restaurants <laughs> right like I yeah I was a kid out there going door-to-door -door selling and having fun with those events and and whatnot but then when we got it was a different side of sales when in the restaurant industry because I was all, well, I did everything too. I said cook, bartender. I mean, even, look, I'll go to the back of the house. Even as a cook, and I worked at TGI Fridays, right? And I was on the fry station. And if anybody knows anything about Fridays, that's like everything. <laughs> that's everything. <laughs> that is the, that is that is ninety percent of the menu. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything is fried. Even the pasta. If you got some fried chicken on there, or, or, or shrimp, or something, right? And that's when they did their really big Jack Daniels. Uh -huh. so everything. Everybody wanted Jack Daniels. <laughs> Even as a cook, I was selling and persuading the other line cooks to chill out if I was backed up. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, like some people call it yelling and that's just their way of persuading. They're trying to intimidate, but it's still, it's still nothing but selling that's or it. persuasion, right? I'll put a better word in there most people feel more comfortable with. When the server is like, hey, what's up with that appetizer? Hey, what's up with that appetizer? I'm literally persuading them if I know we're backed or we're going through or we're in the weeds. Hey, I got you. It's coming out. Hey, here goes something right now for the moment or yada, yada, yada. You're constantly in persuasion mode. It's more putting out fires mode persuasion. Just like it, if you go to customer service, I'll switch it up. If you just do straight customer service, people are like, oh, I'm not in sales. I'm in customer service. I can't stand sales. No, you're in sales. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> no, no. If somebody's calling and they are irate and they want to cancel their service and your sole job is to make them feel good and keep their service intact you have persuaded them to do so yep. okay like you know what i mean if you're whatever it is 
if you're at the front desk of a hotel, like, you know what I mean? You're selling people that they're about to have a great time here. Or, or you know, you're selling, you're selling the experience for that review that you're about to get when they leave that hotel. Like, so no matter what you're doing, you're constantly, you know, selling something to a certain degree. There's very, very, very few jobs that aren't selling and persuading. I think about, like, I'm trying to think of one. Like, I was thinking like TSA workers because, you know, my heart goes out to them. They're out there, you know, let, not letting bums on the plane or anything <laughs> crazy, you know, because they're not getting paid. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know how many needs I've seen, sidebar. Uh, just like, hey, what you got? You got a gun? Okay, come on through. Uh, what you got? I don't care. I'm not getting <laughs> Funny, but not funny. Right. But, you know, but even them, I'm like, they're not persuading nobody. But then I'm like, no, actually, you know what? I've been persuaded by TSA agent before. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, nope, stop. And I'm like, and then they have their body language, their tone told me, you better stop right now, and otherwise you're going to be in the little room. <laughs> cool, whatever you say. It's persuasion, y'all. So at the end of the day, everybody's persuading at all times. No company would be around without salespeople. Y'all care if you're the greatest engineer, you can build the next best car that nobody, that's the greatest car in the world, no, you know, it can fly, it can dance, it can do this, it can go underwater. If there's nobody there to go take it to somebody else and tell them why they should have it, your car would never be known to humanity. That's it. Right? In, and in order for it to run, in order for anything to run, something has to be sold. That's yep. just the way it goes, <laughs> right? Like yep. an idea, anything you have has to get into the hands of somebody, which means someone has to sell it to someone meaning they have to communicate the value of it to another person. That's literally all that has to happen. If you have an idea, can you communicate the value that you have to another person? And if that other person needs it and sees the value, you will make an exchange. That is sales. That is sales. So the reason why we want to talk about this is because, again, the mission of the podcast, guys, perspective is to give you a different perspective. I believe that a lot of people out there have a negative connotation of sales, of salespeople. For the amount of people I come across on a daily or weekly basis that say, I don't like sales. However, everything around their life revolves around sales, from their marriage to their kids, right? So literally whatever they do for work, all of it revolves around sales. I really start to think people don't even understand what sales is. You have a negative connotation about it because you think that it's a used car salesman, a guy that knocks on the door, door to door, right? You you think of it in a such a literal term. That's not what it is. It's about, and again, hopefully you guys took that from this podcast, it's about persuasion. It's about persuading someone to either A, do the right thing for themselves or do the right thing by you or do the right thing by their family, something. It's about doing the right thing. It's about persuading them that they will have a better chance or a better opportunity or more excitement. Or like T said, we all try to avoid pain and move towards pleasure. So if that's what you're able to persuade someone, get them away from their pain or move them closer to pleasure, that is selling. That is selling. We do it every day, even as an individual. Even as an individual, the reason why I've sat down with people that struggle to get a job, right? They actually struggle to go get a job. I've seen so many hiring places, like people that are just like, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. Like, and I'm not in the market to go get a job. But if I was, I feel like I could get a job in five seconds, right? I feel like there's nothing 
too difficult because literally you can just walk down the street and you'll find a place that says we're hiring. We're looking for people. Yep. The second step to that is when you walk in that door, can you sell yourself and your value that you bring so that another person will say, I agree. I think you could bring value here. Let's make an exchange. That's mm-hmm. that's selling. So if you even struggle to get a job, you probably need to rethink about what you think selling is, and then you might want to try to brush up on it. Just to yeah. add value, just to add value to the listeners, T, like take somebody through because you have a, an extensive sales background. You understand it. You understand persuasion. If someone has no idea or is not good at sales or feels like they're not good or they're trying to change this negative connotation they have in their head, give me like two or three things that where, where they should start. Like, do you think they should get a sales job? Do you think they should just look up content about sales? Do you think it's a like, where do you think someone should start if they said, hey, you know what? I might have the wrong connotation of sales, but how do I get better? What would you say? I'm a big believer in um, in doing. And it's funny you say that. I'm, I'm very interesting to say that. So I was reading the article, I believe it was on LinkedIn. I'm almost certain it was. And it said, what do the richest, I forgot the percentage. I'm like, I forgot the percentage. But it was like, what do the most millionaires, multimillionaire, billionaires all have in common? Right. It's like they all have this one thing in common that got them filthy rich. And the number one thing was, as they were coming up and some of them still, they all still are doing it. They all accredit their success, credit their success to having come up with sales jobs, Mm. understanding how to sell and getting a job in sales and understanding the sales cycle and understanding how to sell and how to persuade, they all accredit it to being in some type of sales, like a direct sales position while they were making their millions. And I found that very interesting. And I, I sent it to, you know, my wife because, you know, she's like, you know, in between and looking for something else. She's like, oh, I'm done with the stay at home mom thing. I'm ready to like, you know, get back out in the workforce and make my mark. And I'm like, cool. And she's like, there's nothing out here but sales jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> there's always a company trying to grow. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, and but and I and I sit to the the article and I'm like, hey, you know, this is kind of a skill that you kind of gotta master, right? Like, you know, if you if there's anybody that wants to truly have success in life, and look, me and Chris, we are very far from our dreams, our vision, our goals, whatever word you want to tie to it, right? We're very far from that. Yeah. Chris, you agree, right? Absolute, you're not where you're, absolutely. You, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So we're not saying, we're not calling down from the top of the mountain, like, hey, it's good up here. Right. We're saying we're still going. However, we are, I would argue, probably still better off if you go from a statistical standpoint than most people in our age group. Absolutely. All right. When I looked up the numbers, I was like really in a much different place than the people <laughs> in our age group. Okay. Now, that's not like, you know, tooting your horn or anything like that. But what I'm saying is you have to, I don't want to say this, you have to be 
I'm trying to make sure I want to say it right. I don't want anybody being so offended. Get him offended. Um, you, we don't you, care. Yeah, 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 you, know, you know, you know, I am always trying to be so politically correct. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to do the things that you don't want to do. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. you have to be willing to say, all right, if I want to get here, what am I willing to do? And if you want to make money, you need to learn how to persuade, period. Absolutely. Like, I there's no getting around it. If you want to make money and have a lot of money, right? And you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, if it's your first time, money is not the ultimate goal, okay? <laughs> it's not the ultimate goal. It's important. It's an important piece, but it's not the ultimate goal. But if you want to have that, you better know how to persuade. You go look up the billionaires, go look at their jobs, go read their, their deals. Mark Cuban has a fantastic book called The Business of Sports. Mm. And he talks about how he got lucky to get a crappy sales job selling franchises, mm -hmm. right? And he only sold one his whole time there, right? How uh, He was, you know, selling this and selling that. And he said he learned how to get in the grind and how to persuade people, right, to do something that was of value anyway to them. He's not talking about persuading them to buy the snake oil. And he was really talking about, he said, that skill allowed him to be the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Allowed him to blow up his, you know, his first, when he made his first billion. So you go back, you want to learn how to do it, go learn how to go sell. Now, I recommend getting a sales job. I really do. If I really, really, really do. Get the sales job and, you know, with a good company that sells a product, go, people say, oh, I don't know what I want to, go find a product that you love and go try to work for them in the sales department. Mm -hmm. Right. If you can. Right. Or something that, you know, a lot of people are buying or whatnot. Shoot. Go be that great car salesperson. Like some people run from that. Like, oh, we're going to get a real job. We're going to get a real job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everybody's talking about the all like car sales people. To your point, Chris, earlier, everybody got a car. Exactly. They got a car from something. Somebody. Somebody persuaded them on the car, exactly. right? Like at the end of well, the day. Well, they'll, the well, they'll tell you not. They'll tell you they bought a car. That's what they'll tell okay. you. They'll tell you they walked okay. in and bought a car, not someone sold oh. them a car. But Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I say to them? I say, so walk me through that process, right? Walk me through that. Oh, I went online, okay, and I saw the car, and I, I saw, well, first of all, I saw the car that was driving down the street. Okay, cool. Did you buy that one? No. But I went online, and I looked for it. I Googled it. I searched it. I checked the prices. I checked the competitors. I checked the history report. I checked this. I checked that. And then I knew what the car was. I went in. I had the money and I bought it. So nobody sold me anything. <laughs> and I would say, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Part of sales is if a company is selling, they're also marketing. You wouldn't have known about that car if they didn't put it online. That's it. That's true. Right? And I'm pretty sure if it was a good company, there were some words that you had to read that made you feel really good about that car. <laughs> <laughs> that car sells copy. <laughs> okay? Right? Like, that car. And then when you went in, they weren't complete jerks to you because you would have walked out and bought it for the next person. Yeah. So, yes, you still were. When you were asking questions, somebody was there talking to you in a way that still made you feel just as comfortable as you did before you walked into that building. If not better, yeah, that was part of the sales process. You had your ideal on that car, but you still, in the United States, have a right to buy any one. 
And I'm pretty sure you did just fall in love with that one because if they were that bad, you would have switched to a different company and found a car again, right? There's very few, very unique cars where it's like, I have to have this particular VIN number car. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, so first I would say if you can't get a good, you know, a job in sales, start with that. Or if you're already in a company, switch departments. Ask, I'm pretty sure ask if you can rotate in to the sales. Or at least go sit with the salespeople, right, and understand that aspect of the company. Um, that'd be another one. Then I would most definitely get online, right, and and start to look and try to find some of the best salespeople out there. Me personally, I know I really like Jordan Belfort because he talks about the complete package of the, the not just the words that you use, but your tonality that you use and your body language, which actually represents about 90% of the sale. I really like Grant Cardone, you know, particularly like these are people that I could say from a, a distance I've looked at and, and sold cars using what I learned from those individuals, right. right? Like, you know, Tom Hopkins is another, like this a little bit more old school, Brian Tracy. So these are people that you could just in your free time or your drive to work, Google Yep. I mean, um, YouTube it, and you can get some information. So that'd be number step number, probably that'd be step number one. Then if you could try to get into a sales role of some sort, maybe you have a job, and you're like, hey, I can't leave this. I'm an engineer. I, you know, I, I can't, like, that company won't let me. Look, there's always things that you can go on the outside of work and sell, right? You know what I mean? You can go take some cash and, and start selling different things, something that you love and whatnot, you know, just to build up your skills. So that would be the two things that are, two main things I would do, go online, start listening to it, getting the right perspective for the right people, and then actually going and doing and practicing it. Like, that's the crazy part about sales. It's not a whole bunch. Like, I don't have, it's no seven steps, right? <laughs> like, it's go learn about it yeah. and go do it. That's it. That's it. And <laughs> that's I think, it. go learn and do it. I think, like, that's actually the actual answer, right, guys? Like, the first part of it, which was the first you know, 30, 40 minutes of this podcast is just changing your perspective around what sales is, yep. right? Because that's where it all starts. It starts in your mind and understanding what sales is. If you keep rejecting something that you actually don't have the proper context for, like it'll always be distorted to you, right? So you have to make sure you have the proper context as to like, what is sales? And if you have a negative connotation of it, then you might need to think, why do I think negatively of sales? Because if you listen to our podcast, and again, you do your research out there, you'll see that everyone that has been successful, all of the philanthropists that are out there, all the people that set up charities and, and donate money, like they have a background in selling something. They've had to sell something at some point. The people with the best marriages have to sell themselves and sell something at some point. The leaders of countries have to sell at some point. Anything that can become great has to have an element of sales slash persuasion to it. That's just, mm -hmm. that's just the way it goes. So once you now understand that, if T and I have done a good enough job to help you understand it and right see a different perspective on it, so you can say, huh, maybe sales isn't that bad. Then your next step is to start to learn it. It's just to start to learn it. And I would say to add on to those two things, start at a place that you already enjoy. Mm -hmm. Don't try to go sell some random product or some random thing, right? Do something that is already in your natural day-to-day. -day. 
If it's about persuasion, learn how to persuade your spouse better. That's it. You'll be happier. (laughs) You'll be happier if you learned how to persuade your spouse better. If you learned how to get him or her to do everything that is in your best interest and their best interest and helps the household run and brings in more money, yada, yada. Start there. You care about your spouse. You care about your family. Learn how to persuade your kids better. Learn how to not give in when they Mm -hmm. do certain things or they ask for certain things or, you know, that's persuasion. Start there. Start to read some of those, you know, look at some of those people that T just told you. The Tom Hopkins, the Grant Cardones, those type of people, like they're going to teach you how to sell a product, but they're also going to teach you the mindset behind what you need to do to persuade someone. Mm -hmm. It's in your language. It's it, it, you know, there's, there's so many points to it. And I want to, oh, I, you know, as you said it, I want to make a very good point real quick. And because I didn't, we didn't touch on it. Somebody's out there right now saying, but I'm not the talker. Mm. I'm not the salesperson. Like, so now remember you, there's this image that, of what you think a salesperson is. This overly, you know, talker who's, you know, yada, yada, yada. They all, you Charismatic know, and, and yeah, outgoing yeah. and all those things. Look. Again, and this is why I, I will toot the horn of Jordan Belfort as I dug deeper into, and once he got his stuff together on the integrity side, his his training is, it's not all of that. It's using the right, it's first of all, having the, the right mindset, <laughs> first of all, as Chris said, the right mindset, the right heart, that's your personal integrity, not like out there, all I care about is money people at Panera, you know, that, you know, he would sell those medical devices, right? But let's say you have all those things intact. If you don't get those things intact before you ever go try to persuade anybody about anything, okay, I'll tell you that, but you don't deserve to be in the profession, all right? Hey, you know, I know I met with Chris about, I was like, you know, there's this level to this stuff, your elitist attitude, yes, I will, this is mine, okay? (laughs) Like, yes, there's some levels to this. Right. You're not allowed in. Okay. Into the club, the sandbox. All right. So, but first off, once you have that, it's not whether you're a talker or not. It's not about all the words that you say. It's about the right words that you say. It's about the right tone in which you say those words. It's about the right timing in which you say those words. Right. And it's the right body language if you're selling in person of how you communicate as well. All of those things are packed together. Now, here goes the beautiful thing for that. There's you could have it scripted. Right. Like I used to think scripts are stupid. Right? I was like, man, why do I want to have a script? But what I found is that why would I try to come up with everything to say when I can know exactly what to say? That's it. And that's important, right? If you really want to be a really good salesperson, now that's not to say everything's going to be word for word. Somebody says something, you're like, hold up, I need to say this first. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a framework of words and different things that you would say because you know the situation that you're in. If you're selling cars, people, there's only so many questions people are going to ask about cars, right? Like I've never been asked, hey, where's the microwave at? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, 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 I know that sounds outrageous, but there's only a certain scope of questions that people are going to ask in a buying scenario for car buying, right? Now, it's my responsibility to learn all those questions and to understand how I need to explain, educate, communicate, or persuade once certain questions come to me in certain tonalities from the customer perspective. Right. And so if you're not a math, you know, 
a great talker. You're not like Terrell and Chris who can just talk, 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 <laughs> right? Like, you know, if you're not really quick on your feet with stuff, you can actually put systems in place that allow you to do the, say, the right thing at the right time, the right way in a persuasive manner, and then add your own personality, your own twist, and your own little love, sprinkle of love, if you will, and joy on it, that would be magical for you in a sales process. So, and, that's, that, and I have to tell that like to my wife all the time, because she's like, I'm not in sales. I'm like, I watch, I listen to you sell your friends and ideas on the phone all Exactly. The time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm listening to you. They tell you no. And I hear you say, I hear what you're saying, but let me ask you a question. <laughs> Have you considered da 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 Next thing you know, you get off the phone, and you're like, yeah, we're taking our trip to New Orleans. And I was like, oh, I thought she went to go to Vegas. Yeah, I know, but we decided to go to New Orleans. No, you persuaded her to go to New Orleans. <laughs> right? You, I heard you. You hit her with the, I hear what you're saying. I totally understand. But let me ask you a question. And you went back in to, to add more value, ask more questions, sacrifice a little bit more. And then so said, well, didn't you say you wanted some good crawfish? Didn't you say before you never been to New Orleans? you never been to the Essence Festival? Didn't you say? And, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So come on, this is opportunity. We're going to have fun. It's going to be great. We're going to do this. Terrell's not going to be around. Your husband's not going to be around. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. It's all the same. And I yeah. used it and I went a little bit into that scenario so people can hear how you even talk on the phone with your friends. Yeah. Right? Like, it's all right there. You totally have it, whether you're introvert, extrovert, or whatever other vert there is out there. You can do it. You just have to change your mindset and your perspective and then apply it accordingly. But I do recommend getting educated, getting trained, getting your skill tight in that if you ever want to have a successful marriage. Look, I'm still 11 years in because I can persuade. Mm-hmm. Look, and I'll be straight up. My wife has not always probably wanted to stay in the marriage. I can I can say that with confidence. Facts, I'm facts, sure. facts, facts on facts. <laughs> Anybody that's been married for some time will know that like that's facts. <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest, right? Like she's gonna hate me for saying this, but uh, it's okay. I can persuade her back. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? But I, I know she wanted to give up at times because I'm a handful. Like I know that, right? I said, but. I was not letting her go nowhere. No, I, no, no, physically. I'm like, somebody's like, oh my God, no, R. <laughs> Kelly. No. <laughs> like, no. But no, I, I had to persuade of why I'm still the guy. I'm not still the guy. I'm the guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why this is good. While, why this storm that we're going through right now, it's only for a moment. How I'm still committed. How I'm willing to be there. I'm not going anywhere. And I know I made mistakes. And I'm sorry for that. I'm going to get better. And look at my track record of getting better. And this is a good idea. <laughs> like, you know, Absolutely. Like, you know, 30 days. Give me 30 more days. Like, maybe, like, you know, or whatever. That's, I'm only here because of my ability to do so. And here goes the funny part. Her ability to do so as well. That's right. Right? That's and right. her ability to persuade in her own way. So, so you're already using the skill, whatever extrovert, introvert, all we're saying is realize it, perfect it, and watch the beauty of life open up for you. So yeah, that's that's, that's all I got. That, that's it. And I think that's that's a good place to wrap as I wrap up because you said two things that I think are key. One, everyone already does it. That's what we're trying to get you to see. You already do it. You already yeah. sell. You already persuade. 
whether if you have a family, if you have friends, like you already do it. So wipe away the negative connotation of, oh, I don't like sales. You already sell and persuade. You already do it. I'm glad that we've paralleled this on this episode to parallel it with marriage because I believe it as I coach some people in their marriage, right? Because in business, when people come into business with me, right, that becomes a whole life, right? Like then you start Mm -hmm. to really care about people and say, hey, what's going on in your family life and your faith life? So we have these conversations. So I've coached people in their marriage life. And one of the things that always kind of always pops up is who's the more persuasive, right? Like Mm -hmm. who's more persuasive in the marriage for what they want? Normally, it's the woman. Normally, that's just the way it goes. But here's something that I've also taught a lot of people in marriage or a few people is that most women, and this isn't being stereotypical or anything, but Tony Robbins will tell you you have six basic human needs, Right, you have six basic human needs. One of those human needs is the need for certainty. It's the need to feel certain. A lot of women, most women, have a need for certainty to be one of their high is their highest needs that need to be met. And when that level of certainty goes down when they're feeling uncertain, it's when we get the other side of our spouses. We get the <laughs> the other woman's right where they start to get in our ear a little bit more, on our back a little bit more, say some things that we don't want to hear. Like those are the things that we're hearing, but what it's coming from is a place of uncertainty because there's something in their life where they don't feel sure, certain, Mm -hmm. like feel like they have some stability. Women thrive on that. So as a man, as a spouse, your job is to vision sell them so that they have more certainty in you and in the family. And in the process, for those of you that are entrepreneurs, this is what we do. Like I sell my wife the vision constantly on where we're going, on what our family's going to look like, on the things we'll have, on the things we'll be. I'm constantly selling her on those things because I know that she needs it. Mm -hmm. So I already do it. Even if I didn't do it for a living, I already do it. And so that's a message I want everyone to understand, all of our listeners, that you already do it. If you start to think of it differently and apply it in the places that you really do care about, you might not care about selling a product. You might not want to sell any type of trinket or thing, but I bet you probably want to have a better family life. I bet you want your marriage to get better. I bet you want your kids to love you more or for you to be a better husband, wife, whatever. I bet you want to have, right, better siblings, whatever. It could be interpersonal things that you want. You have to sell people on that. You have to sell yourself on it. You have to sell other people on it. So again, we just want you to know that you already use it. You already do it. Now it's time to actually put some action behind it, learn more about it, and get better at it. Here's the last tip I'll leave you with before I give you the question of the day. The last thing is, once you know how to sell, or persuade, your entire life is yours. Meaning you have full control over your life once you know the power that you have to be able to persuade or sell someone. You'll never have to worry about a job, income, family life. You won't have to worry about anything because now you know that you have the power, you have the ability 
to change someone's mind, to get someone to think the way you think, to get someone to buy into your vision, to get someone to buy your product, to get someone to love you, to treat you the way you, like, it's everything. It's everything, guys. And that's what we want to leave you with. So question of the day. Question of the day, like we always say, we just want your feedback. We want to build community with you guys. So we want you guys to talk to us and let us know. I guess it it could be a two-part question. First part of the question is, first, are you in sales? Do you see yourself as a salesperson? After we just kind of redefined it for you, can you see the areas in your life that you are in sales, that you want to be in or that you're in sales? And then the second part of that question is, do you like sales? Do you like persuading someone? Why or why not? I think T and I have given you guys some perspective on why we think it's good. Why it's a good thing to have sales background. Why it's a good thing to persuade people for the right reasons. But do you still have a negative stigma on it? Can you not get over it? Do you really think that there's something wrong or you don't, you're not a salesperson? We, we want to hear your thoughts, guys. We want to hear your thoughts. So reach out to us, message us, let us know what your thoughts are so we can continue to build community with you. If you haven't, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you share it with a friend because we're really doing some things on this podcast to help people see life differently, which will allow them to change their life. This is one of those episodes. This is one of those podcast topics that I really believe and I know T really believes. If you see this from a different perspective, your entire life can change. Mm. And I'll leave with a quote, not a quote, a, a quick story from Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is, you know, people, everybody knows who Steve Jobs is for the most part. If you have it, Apple, look at your, probably look at your cell phone. <laughs> right? And he said, we live in this world, this world where we're told, hey, go have a family, make a little bit of money, go to school, get a good job, have fun, save some money, and then hopefully, and then just retire at the end. And he goes, that's a very limited life, right? He's like, that's a limited life, in my opinion. That's that's what he was saying. But he goes, but life changes when you take a step back from that reality, out that box, and you start to look around and you realize every single thing that was created was created by somebody that's not smarter than you. Mm. and they don't have anything more to them than you have, and you realize that you can create whatever reality that you want to create that other people can be sucked into, if you will, and start to utilize, life changes for you. And what we're trying to say is when you start to perfect, formally perfect, the skill of being able to get what you want out of life by being able to get people to see your side of it and to buy it to whatever you're selling, whatever you're selling, whether it's your love, whether it's your, your ideas or whether it's your products or whatever, you get out of that box and you realize that you can shape the world and bid reality, as Steve Jobs would say, however you want it. So I will leave you with that. I please, please, please look into this, reconsider and think it through because it's worth every hour and minute that you spend investigating it. And that's all. Absolutely, guys. Until next time, we're going to see you guys down the road. Make sure you communicate with us. 
join the community. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until then, God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Perspective Podcast today. We understand that you had thousands of other podcasts that you could be listening to, but you chose us. We thank you for that, and we're very grateful for it. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can always catch Chris on Twitter at cmuzan1, that's the number one, and myself at Terrell underscore Ward at Twitter. Those are our handles. Today, the music that you heard is by none other than Love. God bless y'all. Speak the truth, never telling no fibs. When I walk up in that booth, ain't no telling who lives. No weapon formed against my team shall prosper. I'm seeking eternal life when I'm done. Word to the Father, on. Uh.